Hey, CEOs, welcome back to the CEO Wing Woman podcast. I'm your host, Chrissy Bowie. And you guys, we have another numbers person in the room today. And I'm so excited because it's like, these people are my soulmates. And it's so hard to find these kind of people in business sometimes. But she is here to talk to you guys about what the numbers mean in your business, how to stop avoiding it, really how to understand the feeling and emotion behind them, which is half of my goal in life. So I am so excited to welcome Christine Tyler Pell here with us today. Christine founded COO Inc. after realizing the business owners in her life were very uncomfortable with math and data. This was surprising to her as a proud math nerd with 15 years as a corporate accounting, finance, and operations professional. Then she remembered that most of the executives in those fields were white men and it all makes sense. Literally preach. <laughs> Same exact situation. But now she celebrates the shit out of creative consultants, coaches, and designers by teaching them how to leverage data and their unique power to build the business of their dream. After working together, these badasses easily delegate all the work that drains them while consistently delighting their clients. Christine, I am so excited to welcome you today. I'm so excited to be here. So to start, I would love to just hear a brief intro about, you know, who you are and how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I think that intro covered a lot of it. Thanks for reading. (laughs) (laughs) So I worked in basically every version of accounting and finance that there is. I was in public accounting. I worked in nonprofits. I've worked in public or not public. I mean, CPA is public accounting, but in corporate environments, doing service-based and goods-based. So, you know, pretty much every situation that exists, I have done it. And, but in every one of those positions, I sort of always was one of the only women or one of the more creative people on the team. So I was doing a lot more problem solving and creative thinking. And so that really helped me in my career. But then when I decided to start my own business, because, you know, I was looking around at jobs and I kept... And there was nothing that you liked because same. Yeah, everything. I was like, okay, so I'm only going to get calls back for things that I'm way overqualified for. And if any man had this amount and depth of experience, they would have started their own firm by now. So I was like, oh, I should just do that. So (laughs) what would a man do? And we do it. (laughs) So I started my own company. And then I started noticing like, how many women are just terrified of all any version of math, like even if even like marketing goddesses are just like, I mean, I will look at that data a little, but only as much as I have to the end. (laughs) So I just, I know how much I'm an ideas person and it can get really overwhelming. Like I'm also, I also have like anxiety and ADHD and being able to harness all the ideas into a numerical system and use data to decide which of the ideas to pursue has helped me so much. And that's really what I want to bring to other people. I love that. And even just talking about how you and all these situations were probably, you know, you were the more creative side. You were, you know, the feminine side of things. And I really think it's so beautiful when we intermingle like what is more typically the masculine of these numbers and data, but then also a way to bring in like 
the more emotional, like feminine understanding and energy into it. And I found that that's what makes people really successful because as we both know, like you definitely can't run a business on data alone, but she also can't run a business on feelings alone. So, you know, I would love to hear how do we leverage both of these, you know, assuming our listeners are mostly women or more into the feminine side of business. How do we bring in this data and numbers in a way that goes well with how we work instead of being like, no, completely change your focus and and work this way? Yeah. So I love that that you said like marrying the two is really important because I do see a lot of the entrepreneur culture has so much of that like hustle culture, that very like masculine, you have 24 hours in a day kind of mentality, which I mean, for anybody with like male hormones, yes, you do have a 24 hour clock that resets and is pretty consistent, but people with female hormones do not have that. (laughs) We have, Mm -hmm. you know, like a monthly trajectory of energy and interest. And then even if you also are running a household that has children in it, then you're also, you have an annual cadence of how your energy is flowing and where your interests are. So I like to take those hustle culture ideas because I do find them very inspiring. They have so much like Andrew Huberman stresses me the hell out, but he does say some stuff that I'm like, yeah, all right, I've, I'll bite. I don't know if you read that, The Power of When. I've heard of it, but I haven't read it. Oh my gosh, it's so prescriptive about every hour of your day. I was like, no human, even a man who, if a man has children or a job, they cannot do all these things. No one can do this. But, you know, there are some good ideas, like waiting two hours after you wake up to have a cup of coffee. So <laughs> uh, I've heard that and I reject that. I have started doing it and I, I'm a fan. Like, I'm sure it's great for me, but also in my world, life is not worth living without a cup of coffee. So like, why would I be miserable? I mean, I'll find other things to do. That's fair. Yeah. And that's one of those things where you're like bringing in your own intuition, like cool idea. I've actually found that the empirical evidence for myself says, no, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So it's really having those observations. I like going through mapping a workflow with my clients and then talking about each part and getting a sense of like, how much do you procrastinate this task? Because those time metrics are also. That's data also, like considering how long do you spend in an anxiety spiral not doing the thing? Because <laughs> that's important data. So using those kinds of things, like how are you actually interacting with your business and putting numbers to them and then trying to leverage your zone of genius and find ways to automate, outsource, delegate, anything outside of that. Or if you can't do any of those, find a way to make it more delightful to you so that it doesn't feel so heavy. I also really love to do a thing I call a value audit, which I developed this method due to... Tell us. I'm so excited. (laughs) I kept getting in fights with my husband about what we should do next. Because like I said, I'm an ideas person. He is an action taking person. So, you know, I'd be just brainstorming and he'd be like taking action on idea number two, number three. And I'm like, no, man, I'm on idea number 15. Why are you doing that? That's obsolete now. I developed this 
for any time we're not on the same page or we just wanted to get clarity about what our plans were. And here's how it works. So you separately brain brain dump your top values, what you imagine your top values are up to 10. And then you rank them in order of importance to you. You visualize what each of those values looks like. If you were the Beyonce of that value, what does that look like to help decide which things are the most important? And then from there, align on which of your shared values are going to be the top for you and come up with your SMART goals to start living in alignment with that, that version of the value that you imagine so that you can support each other in your individual goals, but also pursue your, your shared goals and map out if you have a SMART goal, then you have a timeline. So you're really being thoughtful about how you're spending your time and energy and having less of this sense of life is just happening to me. I'm just under a mountain of things and having more of these are the decisions that I have made. And I can see exactly why I've made these decisions. I'm not a victim here. I'm choosing my reality. So I also like to do that for my clients with their businesses to sort of take their business values and do that same sort of exercise. So they don't feel like they're being buried by their business. Like even if you're busy you can feel like you're in charge. You're the one at the wheel. I love that. And one of the things that I actually say is like one of my business principles is like, you can make any decision. I tell this to my clients. You can make any decision in the world. I don't care if you want to tell me you want to quit the most profitable part of your business. That's your prerogative. You are allowed to. However, you have to know how it's going to impact you before making that decision. Because The whole goal is, yes, you can make any decision, but we don't make them without being informed. And the data is how we kind of inform ourselves. But then we take it a step further and say, well, even knowing this data, how do I feel about it, right? It's like the base is the data. So you can have the answer ahead of time and know what the impact of your decision is going to be. But you can also say, you know, like I say, I am certain it hurts my metabolism or whatever they say it does to drink coffee early in the morning. However, I don't care. (laughs) I'm going to make this decision anyway. So I think that's a really good way to make sure that we are bringing in the number, the data, the, the backing, the true fundamental basis of this and understanding what those decisions are. However, that does not mean you need to run your business based on what those tell you. It just means you know. Absolutely. I like to call it turning feelings into numbers. And you're never going to override your feelings with data. If you absolutely hate something, then don't do it. (laughs) There's no data that makes that make sense. Like I can't just force somebody to be a CFO because it's going to make you more money. (laughs) Right. That's not going to work. And that's another thing. You know, I hear you talking about people seeing where their time is going and seeing where all these things are going. And I think making sure we're having, like you mentioned, value-based time allocations and based on, you know, we understand why we made the decisions we did. I think that kind of helps us from We'll always dream of idea number 14 and 15 and 16, but you're never going to make any progress in your business if you dream idea one, act on idea one. Now we're on idea two, act on idea two, right? You can have a million hopes and dreams, but telling yourself, this is the place I'm focusing on right now 
And I understand why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that actually reminded me. That did get me back to what I could not remember a minute ago. (laughs) So a lot of my clients have like brilliant intuition. And I'm so jealous because I don't. Oh, same. (laughs) I have ideas and I have data, but the intuition is not strong with this one. But it's interesting when they bring me ideas to try and parse out when is it intuition and when is this dissociating from your current responsibilities. And that's another thing that we can use data to decide. Because if we have those values, we can come up with, based on that sort of fully realized vision of what that value looks like, we can come up with a binary question, a yes or no question for, does this move me further from or closer to that realized version of that value. And if you can say yes to those questions for three or more top values, then yeah, you probably should pursue that. But if not, then maybe you're just avoiding things and maybe you're looking for a way to not do the hard work that's in front of you right now. I think so important. And what I say a lot is adding systems to something that feels emotional to When we are in a good place, and I talk about this a lot with money because I find that people sometimes don't make the best emotional decisions about money. We really let it override our brain when we're in the moment. (laughs) Even I do. So what I love, and especially what you say about your method is, I always tell my clients, sit down from a place of calm. You don't do this when you are stressed or angry or upset. When you're doing great, sit down and write rules and values for yourself, right? So One of mine, obviously, looking at money from that standpoint, they're a little different, but saying, if I have X amount of money left in my business, I am going to take home 20% of it, save 40%, whatever. Set these rules and systems for yourself so that when you are in that moment of the emotion is coming up, you don't have to think about it. Because when we force ourselves to think about things, that's when we allow ourselves to make mistakes. But if you say, all right, I'm in the situation I knew I was going to be in. Let me go see what I told myself to do. Bam, bam, bam. I do these things. We're good. You haven't given yourself that freedom to make the emotional decision. And so coming up with these systems for yourself that are data backed, but also support your values that kind of help you from getting into this place of, oh, I'm making all intuition based things and Unfortunately, my intuition in that moment was not the best. (laughs) Yeah. And I do think, you know, decision fatigue is real. And I don't think once you've been in business for a while, you start to forget how much more decision fatigue you have than you did in like maybe a corporate life where even if you were very self-directed and self-motivated, you still had somebody else setting your goals and deciding on the KPIs that you were going to be held to. And now it is all on you. So definitely removing that burden from yourself by coming up with systems and benchmarks when you're in a good, not dysregulated mental place (laughs) is, you know, so ideal. It's then the trick is to actually follow through with it and not be like, well, I don't like it anymore now that I'm sad. Exactly. And I think that's easy to do. But what I'm finding is the more and more you treat this as a routine, especially on the money side, and you know, you just get used to doing that. It's just like, hey, every night before to go, before I go to bed, 
Wow, <laughs> words. Every night before I go to bed, I brush my teeth. I don't sit there and say, how do I feel about this? I'm really tired. I don't want to. You just do it because that's what you do. And eventually you get to a place in your business where you say, all right, this is what I do. I don't sit here and think, am I too tired to do this today? It just becomes so natural. And so I think that's part of developing these systems while also allowing ourselves, the systems are going to be based on what does make us feel good. And so building the systems based on that intuitive level, but also making sure the systems are backed by what the data tells us. So I think we've talked a lot about like data and what that kind of tells us. So when we say this, what do you think are some of the most important things that business owners should be tracking from a data front? And what if those has to be like super exact and what can just be like, oh, high level? Mm-hmm. So I definitely think like on the finance side, I'm sure you'll agree with this. You should at least monthly be pulling your balance sheet and income statements. Please. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I can't believe how many fellow business owners I have met since starting my business who don't even know how to pull these properly and like what they mean. It is. Do you really want to go about business not knowing how much money you make? Like that genuinely blows my mind. Unless you're doing this as a nonprofit, which like you're not. I'm sorry. You're not. You have an obligation to yourself to know how much you're making because you can't make decisions. Like you can't, don't tell me you feel intuitively about your business when you don't even know how much you're bringing in and out. Yeah. I, yeah. And like just having a sort of a ballpark figure of, I think I've received this much cash or like just looking at the balance in your Stripe account or whatever, like it's not enough Uh because what I really want people to start doing is having the habit of running these reports so they can, one, get familiar with how these reports look, two, as part of that, get comfortable with the actual accounting language for what those accounts are named, and three, is to start seeing the seasonality of what's going on with their business because that starts to get into that cash flow management because, of course, there's going to be busier seasons when you're bringing in a lot of cash, but you also want to be able to take breaks or have downturns and be able to weather that. And not feel stressed about bringing in money during yeah, those downturns. Down you want to be able to weather that and get through comfortably, not be on your last pennies before the next busy season mm-hmm. starts. And then in the operations realm... I want to see workflows that have times attached to them. So you have the dependencies for each task as well as the time commitment to complete each task. And then I want to see customer scorecards so that, you know, maybe you're not giving a customer a scorecard to fill out. Maybe you're just asking the same couple of questions in your touch points before you onboard and then periodically and then when you offboard so you can see the trend of how your customers are feeling about things because that's really going to help you tune into like, where do I need to dial in my process a little bit better? Where can I add something that's a little more delightful for them? Where's something that I can make more consistent for them? I think that's so true. It's definitely on the operations in terms of workflow and how things go. Just adding time, I recently added time expectations to all of my tasks, and it's helped foresee what my life is going to look like in the next month or two. And for me, somebody who I love structure, I love a schedule, I love to know what I'm walking into each day, I can open up my calendar and say, oh, I'm going to have a really long day today because I have, I only, maybe only have three tasks, but they're like 
two and a half hour tasks each. Or I could go to a day and say, I have 10 tasks. Oh, but they're five minute tasks each. So it's not going to be a busy day. And so that's something for me has been something that's changed the game. It also has changed the game when I'm passing this work off to employees and they know what the expectation there is for them and in, in their time management. So that's been a huge game changer on my front. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to have that clarity, not just for yourself, but for your team. Because when you don't and you try to outsource something, not only are they going to be stressed out, then you're inevitably disappointed because they didn't read your mind. <laughs> then everybody's mad. <laughs> it's such a, a self-fulfilling prophecy to just avoid that work. Absolutely. And, and I think this is really where even for people who do say they run a more intuitive and emotional business, like your team can't be in your head. So if you want to expand, if you want to have a team, there do have to be, do, does, I don't, what, so what's the right proper what do you mean? There does have to be, <laughs> which one is it? Have to be some numbers behind there because your, you know, KPI for this team member can't just be, did you feel good about this, yeah. right? And so having things that other people can relate to and help you accomplish those it can be, you know, one of my metrics is I want to have financial reports for me to review by the 10th of the month. That's super, you know, okay, great. My employee understands that, she knows. But if I said, I want to feel good about the day we get our clients their reports, she'd be like, what does that mean? Right? <laughs> what exactly would make so, you feel good? <laughs> yeah. She, okay. And then also never know if she's achieving what I expect of her. And I know as someone who was an employee a few years ago, like that's a bad feeling to not know if you are doing what people expect of you. So I would say these numbers are so important in the way to make our business into a team as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people would much rather work for a tyrant who's clear about what they expect than an angel who is just like doing things on vibes all the time. Because <laughs> you can't read someone else's No, they're going like, to show up me- mad and you're going to be like, is it me? Is it not? I don't know. <laughs> right. No, I totally understand and agree. And I think that in order to build a business, there does have to be a certain level of structure. Even if you are working in that more feminine mindset, that you can absolutely do that. So Christine, we are almost at our time here. I cannot believe our conversation has flown by so fast. But is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with before we close out? Oh my gosh, I want to tell them so many things. (laughs) But I'm just going to mention that I think you're putting in the show notes a decision matrix offer. So I'll just briefly explain what that is. Again, it's going to sound like I fight with my husband a lot, but I really don't. I just like 90% of our conversations just turn into a spreadsheet. So... He hates it, but I'm like, please, please hold while I go and make a projection, a model for this. So we were buying a car and he's a car guy and it was driving me out of my flip in mind that he kept telling me about what country each engine was made in and I don't care. And so we decided what our values were and then what were those questions for each of those values. So we came up with a decision matrix that had those questions in the columns, and then we could put our options in the rows and sort of score. We could assign weights based on the highest important pieces of the decision making. They could get up to five and then, you know, super low things could get as low as a one. 
and we would score each option. And then whoever got the highest score was the winner. No more, no more second guessing. So I like to use this for hiring decisions or if you're vetting a new offer, you know, ask yourself things like, are, is this new hire going to be able to hit the ground running or am I going to have to spend a lot of time training them? Are, do they have like explicitly relevant experience or is it sort of tangentially related experience? You know, you can fill out those those kinds of concepts as columns and then score the applicants. And then, you know, instead of deciding, oh my gosh, this person is like my best friend and I want to travel to Italy with them, you can actually get somebody who's going to help your business. <laughs> I love that. And like you mentioned, the, the decision fatigue we go through as business owners, I think we don't always realize how much that is. But having something like this that says, this is why I made this decision. I also think that helps us feel good about the decisions we make. Because I know so many business owners who are like, well, I made that decision. I don't know if it was the right one. Well, how good would it feel if you said, this is why I made it? And, you know, obviously we don't know if things are right until months down the road. Sometimes we never know if it was the right thing. However, if we say, well, this is why I made the decision and I feel good about that, I think that is so, so helpful. So yes, I will put that in the show notes so you guys can look at that. Now, where should our listeners find or connect with you if they want to do that? I'm most active on Instagram at coo.inc, and my website is cooincorporated.com. Amazing. And all of those will be in the show notes, you guys. So if you want to go ahead and find Christine, connect with her there, you can absolutely do so. Well, I cannot believe another episode has come to a close. This has been such a good episode. And you guys, if you are listening consistent, consistently, please let us know what else you want to hear, what you've learned from this episode. Just drop a comment below and let us know. And we are going to do our best to tailor the show for exactly what you want to hear. So thanks again for listening to another episode and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.